Hi everyone. Welcome to Legal Mind Unwired, a dedicated segment of Peace Lab 2020 podcast for lawyers, law students, and anyone who's curious about lawyering. Legal Mind Unwired focuses on well-being among the legal profession. It provides a platform for solution-based discussions and advocates for pragmatic and effective approach to cultivating well-being for lawyers. I will be speaking to fellow lawyers who are committed to their own path of well-being and doing their bit to change the greater legal community. Thank you and welcome. Happy March everyone. For the month of March, we decided to do something slightly different. We want to focus on international students. I myself was an international student from China many many moons ago, and my lovely intern Hansi, she's from India and currently undertaking a master at the University of Melbourne. So I had the joy and the privilege of speaking to four sets of different guest speakers so i'm looking forward to share their honest stories about the struggles faced by international students also the resilience and their success i hope you enjoy Welcome everyone to another Peace Lab 2020 podcast and for the Legal Mind on Why episode for the March theory. As you would know by now, and the March is a month of international students. So even today, I've invited a dear lawyer friend of mine who just like myself was a former international student, Catherine Tan. Drum rolls. Hi. Hi. Hi Alva. Hi everyone. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. So Catherine, you currently work for Mc McPherson Kelly Lawyers, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And today because and I've shared that with you, uh, March is our International Students Wellbeing Month. And also we wanted to share the stories of students and international students who have Um, actually, not just stayed in Australia, but integrated and embraced the working life here and the thriving. So when I was thinking, who should I invite? You just popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, you have a great、yeah. story to share. Yes.、Um, but before we get into the story of your life, and as a typical peace lab tradition, we normally start with our、um, podcast with a short meditation. So、um, I think you've already joined me for my meditation in the past. Yes. So very simple, and you know the drill now as well. Okay. And gently just close your eyes and find a very comfortable spot. And I know you are like myself, sitting on a chair.、Mm. So just basically relax your body. You can even move a little bit to make yourself comfortable. And your feet maybe firmly grounded onto the floor, and make sure they are not cross-legged. And just bring your attention, the my attention, into our body. 
And as you know, we are recording in evening after a whole day of work. And we both finish very busy work and our brain is on a high beta. A lot of critical analysis, drafting and thinking. So just let now be the time with our eyes closed. And then we tell our mind and brain. And it's now time for me to relax, to receive less external information. I'm really tuning in with myself, my body. And then feel, start paying attention. Observe any sensations around our physical body. You may wish to scan from the top of your scalp down around your head your facial muscles, your forehead, your eyes, your nose, your jaw muscles, and your mouth. See if you can find any tension spot around your face and head. If you do, let's together breathe in Breathing and out. Breathing, I smile. Breathing out, I release. Breathing, I smile. Breathing out, I release. Continue to breathe in this space while we move our attention and awareness gently to the back of your scalp, focusing on our neck. Just scan through from the top or the base of your scalp. One vertebrae followed by another. From top to down and see if you can feel any tension around your neck. For us who work constantly in front of the computer, typing, our neck tends to carry a lot of attention for us. So if you do find yourself feeling tense and sore somewhere along your neck, Again, breathing and out. In and out. And imagine that part of the muscle is being gently relaxed. You may even sense and even see some tight muscle knots around your neck. And see if we can visualize anti-clockwise movement and gently say to those tensions. I let you go now. You're free to go, to leave my body. 
and let you go now. You're free to go, free to leave my body. here in this quiet space, no matter how short it is, put a gentle smile on your face. And with your smiling face, I invite you, Catherine, to set an intention for our conversation and exchange today. Sometimes a word, a feeling, or a color by popping your head. No need to try very hard to think. If anything comes up, then that's fine. For me, which is rather interesting, the word Two words, actually. The first one doesn't really make sense, but I will still share. It's youthful. And the second one is joy. Youthful joy. Maybe we will reminisce our both our past and to feel the joy the past and the future might bring to us. And now we'll take another deep breath in and open our eyes. It's very youthful joy. I felt that in my heart. Yeah, I feel really happy. Yeah, me too. It was really... I'm glad. Maybe just your youthful voice. <laughs> oh, it has to be yours. <laughs> I'm older than you. You know that, right? The listener can't see me, but I'm yes. definitely older than you. Now, um, maybe that's why, going back to your journey. Um, so, Catherine, you were also an international student, right? Yeah. And where are you from? And where? how did you end up in studying in Australia? I was actually from Brunei, Brunei Darussalam. It's a little country on a Borneo island in Southeast Asia. Um, I actually have always wanted to be a singer since I was little. Um, and I remember when I was quite young, maybe before I went to high school, my dad would always say, you know, as long as you get a university degree, any degree, just get a degree and then you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And I feel like being a lawyer is always my intuitive alternative career. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be, uh, I need to get another degree, right? Just so I can satisfy, you know, my dad's expectation. I'll just be a lawyer. Um, until so easy. I'll just be a lawyer as <laughs> from becoming a singer. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be a lawyer so I can be a singer, something like that. But I think... Um, after that, it became more and more of a focus, particularly as I, um, as I got older, <laughs> as in like as I went into I guess secondary school, high school, um, then people started to discuss, oh, you know, what are you going to study when you're in uni? And I've always just sort of um, said, oh, I want to study law without really thinking too much about it. 
but if I thought about it I would be thinking you know I think my personality is quite suitable to be a lawyer I I can't tolerate any sort of injustice this is like when we were young we, we sort of just think oh you know being a lawyer means you stand up to the injustice and no one would say anything oh, totally. but you stand up and do what's right <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so I thought yeah so I thought okay I'll, I'll be a lawyer um and I I did actually take a gap year after secondary school just to work in a law firm in Brunei to know what it's like being a lawyer because my parents really wanted me to be an accountant (laughs) (laughs) and I thought okay I'm just gonna do it and maybe I'll hate it so much that I will just do accounting um Obviously, I didn't. I didn't have any sort of legal studies background in in Brunei. The, it's not covered in our secondary sort of studies. So I've never done anything law related. But I have done a lot of um, business topics: accounting, math, science, different languages. And I do quite well in in maths and economics and accounting. So that's why my parents were like, you know, this is meant for you. And I feel like even though, you know, law is something different, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about it. You know, the pace. May I ask you uh, in Brunei, pardon my ignorance, what kind of jurisdiction, like which size more and similar? like Common law. So similar to English law and Australian law. Very similar. Right, yeah. so I came from China, so if I decided to law in Australia, it's a very mm. different legal system. So for you, Brunei, it is based, oh, it's similar to the common law. Okay, that's good. Yes, and at the time as well in Brunei, the university uh, didn't offer like a, a law degree. They were going to have, um, they were going to start a law school in the year that I was going to enroll, but it was like completely new and there was a Sharia law component in it as well. So by by that time, I think at, at the time, most of, or most if not all of um, the, the lawyers in Brunei, they either graduated in the UK yeah. or in Australia or, or they went to take the bar in Malaysia and then converted it. In Brunei. Interesting. Yeah. So you, you said you're almost going to become the first generation of law students in Brunei. Yes. So <laughs> but I decided to go overseas instead. <laughs> that decision will be life changing, right? I still always contemplate how would I be, you know, there's sliding door moment. The decision, like imagine, I, I'm curious about you. Have you ever thought about that, Catherine Ten? If you decide to study law or even accounting for that matter, right? Mm. and didn't didn't leave and came to Australia. If I didn't study law here, I would have studied economics. I think in in Singapore because I did get a scholarship which I ended up rejecting. So. If I were in Singapore, I, I always think if I was in Singapore, I would probably do more singing and less studying because it's not something that I really, really want to study, right? So I'll probably go more towards like, you know, uh, singing, basking, performing, going to com- <laughs> going to join singing competitions and, and all that. So it could be a very different life. Yeah, not necessarily a bad one. Mm. I always think like there's no right or wrong. It's just how... How you live your life, you know, make a choice and then just do do your best. So why 
how did you come to Australia then, and why? Um, it's a bit strange. I applied. To, <laughs> I applied to five universities in in the UK because right. um, I can't remember what the program was called. But basically, you go online and you could pick five universities to enroll in. And then at that time, I enrolled in um, a university in Perth. Because it was free to apply, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't actually apply to a university here in Melbourne, but um, Monash University was actually the first university to have given me an offer with a partial scholarship, and I didn't apply for it. How so did, I, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> you didn't apply. How did Monash end up giving you? I think, I think maybe the study agent that I engaged for um, the UK universities. I think she might have been on a panel for one of those, like you know, Monash. Um, agents, and she must have applied for me for free, with my results. Um, yeah, that's all. That I, I never got to verify it with her, but I'm guessing that must have been what happened. <laughs> it's not like how, if to me that that story would be almost like synchronicity, like yeah, handed it to you. It's like when when things like that to me now as I grow older and wiser. Those moments are almost like meant to be. Like yeah. Plan the less plan I do, but then it just came to me like, okay, you know, like that's a beautiful story. Like as if I don't, I'm not a religious person, but if I mean mm-hmm. you were God, like someone's watching out for you. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, at the t- at the time as well, I think in the UK the exchange rate was quite dear, so it was definitely a better option to have come to Australia. I mean now. After that, it changed a lot. And Australian dollars got stronger, but I think the point was I I did think that I chose the right, you know, university definitely, and eventually I also did the study abroad program to a university in the UK. So yeah. I did enjoy both um, environments. Yeah. So you then um you so I I assume that you came to Melbourne and you went to study in Monash. Yeah, that's right. Um, did you do straight into law or did you do uh, like pathway like I did um, Trinity Foundation for Unimel? So did you do something like that as well for Monash? No, I, I just did went straight into law and law uh-huh. only. I mean, thinking back, maybe I should have done, you know, like a, a foundation in, in legal studies, at least know, you know, know about um, the political system, for example, because Brunei is a completely different uh, political system to Australia. So Brunei is an absolute monarchy. We have a sultan, um, and so it's completely different. I think I was quite lost in my first year of uni. Mm. And did you? I mean, it's an silly question now. You speak such a good English, but when you left Brunei, did you speak English fluent or second language? Or I spoke English. It wouldn't be like a second language, but I wouldn't have used it a lot. Um, so in Brunei, we speak Malay, English, and, and I speak Chinese because I my background, mm-hmm. uh, my grandfather is from China, so everyone would have received education in English. But because of my family, I I used to speak to them in Chinese, yeah. and I went to a Chinese school to learn Chinese as well. So I spoke to my friends in Chinese too, right. most of them. But if we go out, you know, to to the mall or to the shopping center, we would be speaking English, and everything would be in English. Yeah. So when you came to study um, the first year as an international student, did you have any family friends in Melbourne at all? Or? No, actually, it's it's pretty funny now that I think back. I didn't even have um, a fixed term accommodation. I didn't know what anything was about, and I just came here. I never taken like a real bus. 
before I came here as well. So, okay, so let me rewind. A... <laughs> rewind the moment. Okay, maybe let's go back to the moment when you actually are about to board a plane leaving Brunei, right? Yeah. You cry at all, and your family say like say goodbye to you. Well, you like just yay, bye. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think um I was in the mode where it was not like a very emotional kind of mode.、Yeah. You know, I was more like to go out and get things done. That、yeah. kind of um mentality. Uh, I remember flying to Singapore first. And I met like a, a friend in Singapore, and then flying to Melbourne without knowing anything. And I brought two <laughs> huge suitcases that was like forty-five kilos. And I remember like I it was so heavy, and people had to help me to get it off the belt.、Um, and then there was like a Monash had a shuttle van or or like a taxi service, and I was in it with another guy from Singapore, who ended up becoming my housemate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow! So he was kind of my first friend. Hmm. And、uh, so that first year, and did you do you still remember the moment、um, when you first when you stepped into the law class? Oh, it's too long time ago now. I remember going into one of the yeah first first law class was like introduction to legal reasoning. I remember, yeah. Um, it was. Then? I was lost, but I I think I didn't know how lost I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thinking back, I feel like oh, actually I didn't know anything, but somehow I just got through. Yeah.、Mm. No, for me, I think、um, because the timetable, I remember my first class for whatever reason was taught, and I remember sitting there and thinking, what the hell is this? What <laughs> like the, the hair, white hair, older gentleman talking? He and I remember, you know, I have this beautiful like lecture. He just older. Very white, silver hair, but he kept talking using this word "taught," you know. And also,、mm. maybe for me, I came from China, and my English definitely wasn't as good as yours, you know. When I went into、um, Melbourne Law School, and I struggled through first year because I didn't understand most of time. You know, also similar to Brunei, China has a completely legal social、yeah. system to Australia. I've never really understood the concept of,、um, you know, the separation power because in China. Everything can be under the Communist Party. Oh、so、yes, the separation every- of power was something that I was struggling with as well. Like I remember, I went home. I had a boyfriend at the time. I wouldn't. I would understand each and every word, but I just didn't know what they mean when they're put together, you know.、Yeah. And I just kept looking at this paragraph, separation of power, and they're like three arms, and and I was like. I just couldn't, and I remember once I was so in in so much stress, and I was like, basically every afternoon I would be reading the textbook to my boyfriend, who would just be listening because when I was reading, I understood it a bit better, and he could explain to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, I think you know when we as an international student, you know.、Um, A lot of major issues. I because I've worked with a lot of students as well, I've mentored、um, several of them as well. I found the key issues first is、um, the self confidence.、Mm-hmm. Self confidence, I think, stemming from like the the primary one is language, and the second one is that lack of familiarity with the social and you know.、Um, The political system and the community, you know, even more the understanding, a lot of basic stuff, you know, local students would know, like take for granted. And the third one is that lack of support、uh, immediately, you know, not not straight away. You will build that throughout years, but lack of support from families and friends.、Uh, what's your take on that in terms of looking back, you know, your student years? 
Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree. Um, lack of support, which is sort of inevitable because you're sort of going into a new, new environment. But the lack of confidence, especially so, I guess, in law school, because um, I came from overseas. I was a top student. But everyone in my class would have been top students in their school, in their class. They look a certain way. They look very confident. I, I thought I looked normal. Um, so in comparison, I felt like they must all be better than me. And because I did a straight law degree, right? So um, in my first year, I would have been studying, you know, some of the, some of, uh, in, in, in my class, some of them would have been in second year, third year, because I did a double degree. Um, so I felt like, and also I didn't really understand what was going on. <laughs> like you, tort was something that was like, oh, what's tort? Um, it's all concept, right? Mens rea, uh, criminal law, I remember. And we had like exams um, almost, I think, in, in the first few weeks. But I think, um, yeah, the key is I, I didn't really notice that I was not very confident. Looking back, I thought, okay, I probably was a bit intimidated. I didn't do, I, I wasn't being like the fully fledged Catherine. Mm. But at the time, I wasn't sort of stuck and feeling down. It wasn't really like that. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. So you you felt you were not confident, but maybe because you were not quite aware of that, so you were not particularly yeah. on that issue. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, I guess you know, I'm just reflecting as you were talking, and I think I was quite maybe I was very harsh on myself, and I really felt struggled. And uh, you know, that towards class, I actually I called my mom afterwards. I said I'm not quite sure whether I'm up for doing law, although like similar to you, I've always wanted to be a lawyer, but then I realized how hard it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, especially that you know in China we only learned English when I was 13 and it was just a subject and mm-hmm. then law as we know now it's all about the language the precision of the word right the precision a choice of word can have a huge impact you know uh, for the consequence of like future as well so um, yeah I found this a really interesting um, and the process and also for me drafting writing was terrible as a law student because I have to learn like a child how do you do that <laughs> um, I I'm not sure I, I guess I just tried to do it I didn't have a lot of feedback because a lot of the writing I guess I always opted for 100% exam I didn't want to prepare for the same subject twice <laughs> so you could choose like 40% assignment 60% exam or you could choose like 100% exam I always did 100% exam because I didn't want to I felt like I would be like wasting my time obviously like less risky but I just yeah I didn't want to do it so I didn't really get a lot of harsh feedback but I remember joining you know mood competition mooting competition negotiation competition I never won any of it yeah. <laughs> one of them I actually got um got quite far but I would say it was more my my teammates effort than mine but I think like because I wasn't really intimidated and I wasn't really scared or or feeling really small I just tried anyway and I think I made a few connections that um that are quite meaningful for mm-hmm. example like one of the the judge of the um, negotiation competition, he, he was a barrister, a criminal barrister. I always thought I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. Um, so we talked about it um, and I talked about uh, the fact that I was from Brunei. I didn't know any lawyers here. And he ended up, he was quite nice. He offered for me to shadow with him through a criminal trial. So I did that for one of the summer, you know, summer break and quickly realized that I don't want to be a criminal lawyer. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but we're still in touch today. We're, I was yeah. gonna say, did you still be friends with him? Just that yes. professional. He, he actually moved my admission. Oh, so yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. And, and I think connections like this is really meaningful, especially when you're an international student. You might feel quite lost. Just having someone to tell you what it's like, or or having someone to ask, um, yeah, would be quite. Quite good. Mm. So, if you did a stray law, that would take you about three and four years, is right? Four, four years. years yeah. yeah. And and that would come to another hurdle point or meeting point. Did you decide to um, be qualified and stay in Australia? Is that your decision then? Um, I was sort of more go with the flow. So after the uh, university degree, we needed to do like practical legal training. Yeah. And because I was an international student, so I just paid to do it. Yeah. In, yeah in half a year's time um, and then by the end of it I was sort of almost qualified to apply for permanent residency and I thought yeah why not because everyone seemed to be dying for it um, like dying to become like an Australian permanent resident and I thought okay I'll just do it anyway and then I had to uh, find a job I saw an advertisement for like a temporary solicitor position in a, in a small firm and I thought I'll just go for it because I, I just want to be, I, I just want a temporary job. So I have all my options, applied for it, went for an interview, got the job on the day and started oh. like shortly after um, and then did my admission. Time flew past. Three months later, they said they wanted to hire me like permanently if I was up for it. And by then I got my permanent residency. Um, coincidentally at the time, there was... Um, harsh regulations coming out in Brunei about Sharia law which um, didn't which wasn't really what I believe in okay. um, maybe because I've been in Australia for too long <laughs> and and Brunei is a completely different sort of society so I thought okay I'm not gonna go back to practice this sort of harsh laws that I don't believe in so I thought okay I'll just stay on and get my citizenship in Australia uh, yeah, yeah. Until today, I don't feel like I have to be here. I, I don't feel I don't feel like you know there's something, uh, there's something that is I, I guess tying me down to being here or like there's something that is really calling me to go back to Brunei. I don't feel either way. I just feel like you know I'm here because it's where I choose to be for now. Mm. I think that neutrality in terms from an emotional and mental perspective is actually very healthy. You know, you're in that state, you know, you're not overly attached with other places and then emotionally you don't feel like um, you have to be obsessed with other direction. And I do see a lot of students, international students, is that somehow like I went through a lot of um, anxiety because I really want to stay. And then because that um, I didn't have the level of calmness, you know, you just presented it here. I was like, oh, I really want to stay. And then I create a lot of anxiety and stress in my own mind. Mm. Yeah, so it's actually really good you're able to go with the flow and it seemed to hang out for you quite naturally then yeah I think I was, I was quite lucky because definitely it was not so easy trying to get a job but I think a lot of people as well they aim really high they want to go get into like top tier firm mid tier firm and they are quite nervous about it even in their penultimate or even second year they were trying to do everything just so they could get a chance you know whereas I was more like I would say I was quite naive 
I didn't know how competitive it all was really and I had a friend who was thinking about doing a study abroad program so I said oh I might do it as well like where are you going basically I just got free resources from her because she was gonna go she didn't end up going so I, I did um, I got like a, a scholarship as well to go there and I felt like actually that was the best decision in my life Everyone was fighting to get a placement. Some people got it, some people didn't get it, or an internship. And I was just having fun in Europe for like nine months. <laughs> it was really good. At the time, I think, okay, I, I did feel a bit lost about whether um, law was for me around oh. my third year because I just didn't feel like the, the study of law was something that um, was really, really fun. Like some subjects were fun, um, but then I just didn't feel passionate about like my university life studying law. It wasn't what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, if I went to um, England and just sort of take a break, maybe I would find my passion. I came back. I didn't really find my passion. It was still sort of like didn't feel much. But I think I found my passion again when I was actually when I actually started working. Mm. Because then you're really dealing with real people, real problem. Then it became really fun. Yeah. So now let's take. I mean, you decided to stay and in a very natural, going with the flow mode, and then you have your job. What was your? Did you have to choose the area of practice? So again, yes. it was falling into practice and places for you. Because I decided that I didn't want to be a criminal lawyer, <laughs> so I I I chose um litigation. And it wasn't really like a well thought out decision. It was more like I was just going for the one that has seems to be most challenging, has the most drama, seems to be the coolest. <laughs> and I, I, I sort of thought about it maybe just for a few minutes or a few seconds and, and thought, okay, I'm going to do it. And then after that, I just kept doing it. It's sort of the similar, um, it's a similar feeling when I decided to study law. Instead, like to to get a degree, it was like a split second. I made a decision, and then I just went for it. Mm. Yeah, wow. maybe so, it was my intuition. Yeah, <laughs> that is some evidence saying that sometimes those um, almost they say the flash of insight. Yes. And normally, you know, um, I have that tendency to overthink it, but when we actually spend too much time to think about to make a decision. I, in my experience as well, it may not be the best decision you make, but somehow, sometimes when you actually just follow that intuition or that flash of insight, for whatever reason, it turns out to be something, you know, uh, very much aligns with who we are. And I imagine you really enjoy uh, litigation. I imagine it's a commercial litigation then. Yes. Yes, I I really agree with you because obviously a lot of people, I think most people really feel like, okay, we need to consider this decision properly. It's a good thing, but I just was never really um, like that. In terms of my own life decision, I always seem to just have a feeling and then I'm very, very persistent in nature. So as long as I choose a path, I I don't give up. Yeah. So people people might think, okay, first of all, it wasn't a well thought out decision. It was like a okay, a split second you decided, and then you don't give up. It's like a you're like a really stubborn, you know, cow trying to trying to knock on you know the wall, the brick wall. That's what everyone kept saying to me when I decided to to study law when I was in Brunei, when I decided to stay here when I was here, um, and then I had a friend who told me, you know, it's it's about the brick wall. It's you have to believe that it's not there to stop you. Mm. Is there to help you climb over it, know that it's what you want. 
Yeah, and so I'm curious now. So when you start working in the legal practice, you know, for the past five five years, I assume you are、uh, seven years actually. Seven years. Whoa. Yeah, I'm in my seventh year. Yeah, yeah. so six years. Yes. Litigation. Did you see yourself as an international student or someone different from local students? Yeah, <laughs> every day. Oh really? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe at the beginning, not so much because it was a small firm. So I, I felt a little bit different in the sense that I'm not so much of a. I, I perform better. I think by myself. Mm. Not so much of a like a, in a group setting. Not so much of a what's the best way to describe it? Like it's, I don't think I I can I can be in a group, but I don't feel that I blend in. I might look like I blend in, but I don't feel that I blend in. That's what I was feeling when I was in Brunei. Like I'm not the same. I don't need to be in a group, and I'm more than happy to do things by my own.、Um, and I think being here is more accommodating towards that because a team player in a In a Melbourne setting, at least for me, means that everyone is different, unique in their own ways, but work together. So,、um, so you were asking me why? Why did I feel like I was an international student? Because I had a different language abilities, so which、um, is useful to me now.、Um, and I'm also, I was also very conscious actually that I had a Southeast Asian accent that would be very different.、Mm. And I look different. <laughs> I think for me, the、um, so I I actually didn't work. My majority of legal practice spend is in house. So,、mm. for example,、um, I've been working for、uh, my current company for the for about seven eight years now as well. And、uh, similar to you, I think when I joined them twice, and the first time I joined,、uh, English language is definitely something I was always very conscious about. You know.、Mm. I already feel I'm not good enough. I'm like, oh my god, compared to my boss, compared to my colleague, they wrote.、So, my boss is amazing drafter. He writes so beautifully, and、um, and I actually learned a lot from just you know read his email and copying right away he、yeah. writes. Um, but initially the first year, I remember constantly I would say, oh, and I would apologize because I'm sorry, you know, my English may not be as good as you. And it gets to point he has to、mm. stop me, say you have to stop yeah, saying that. Yeah, you know? it's only in your mind. And, Yeah, and I do think you know.、Um, I, I guess for me, it was language is something you can master, you can learn. And now I'm I'm glad looking back, I felt you know、um, it is something you can cultivate. You know, however, more importantly, like you spoke, so you basically speak three different languages apart from English. Yeah, yeah, that's a great asset. Did you realize that was asset in your day to day job? Not in the beginning.、Mm. In the beginning, I think I only sort of saw my saw my shortcomings.、Yeah. So saw the different accent,、uh, looked different, write in a different way. So I think that's when it's important to have a mentor in your career. I had I had my mentor from、um, Leo Carson, and he's been really encouraging. Throughout, I think he could tell that I was very ambitious. I was very keen. He told me that's your strength, and that's what people will see in you is your energy and your passion, and that is very very important. And you have to see that everything else is not a problem.、Um, and he said, "Look, you speak English. 
it, the accent's not a problem if people can understand you. Obviously, I didn't appreciate it as much before because I was sort of stuck in a in a little corner, thinking, you know, I'm different. I'm not good enough. I want just I want to be just like everyone else. But um, yeah, I think he was always very encouraging, inspiring. And I think when you're not confident, it's so important to surround yourself with people who believe in you because they actually lift you up. Sooner or later, you start to believe in them. I find just like you. Um, Legal writing was not so um, natural to me. Some people naturally write in, or maybe not so natural. Maybe they learn it as well. Yeah. Some people write in a very beautiful way, mm-hmm. and I've always had colleagues who I admire their style of writing, mm-hmm. um, and I would learn. And I think we just have to believe in our abilities. You know, we survived law school. We are smart. We can yeah. learn. Yeah. So I eventually learned, but even in my own style of writing. I would have I would receive comments like, "You write in a really concise way. You write in a really clear way, which is appreciated." But obviously, I felt like, "Oh, you know, I want to write like a poet. I want to write in a beautiful way and like you know, passive aggressive. That's all like the standards that you set for yourself. But you might not know best when you're just out, you know, just graduated, and you feel like this is the the fan the the fantasy uh, way of writing and it's fancy and whatnot. But I think you just gotta believe in people who are more senior than you, as, in terms of what's actually important. Mm. What you're writing to, mm. and your client understand you. Yeah, and I think it's a very important message for a lot of students because that's a huge stress point for a lot of international students. Because from school, you know, they spoke. Um, for many of us, um, English wasn't the first、um, native language, right? And it's very easy to forget. Actually, we speak fluent in another language,、mm. and it's different from people who learned Chinese or who are like Australian-born Chinese, like because they still learn Chinese as a different language. But for you and me, it's something innate to us. So, from a brain perspective, out, you know, I study neuroscience, and for us, we have less risk of、um, developing Alzheimer. At later age, when you speak,、um, but if you're bilingual by nature, because your brain is constantly, you know, very active in a very healthy way, so it is actually a great asset. That I always remind a lot of international students.、Um, I meet a lot of them. I say, just don't overlook the strength. You know, apart from the characteristic strengths, like what you were saying, how ambitious you are, how driven you are, but also the the, the skill, interpersonal skill you can bring to. That brings me to the question of: You do a lot of pro bono Chinese workshops for the community. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was that part of you, and why? What were triggers to do that?、Um, part of it is I was in, sort of inspired by how、um, people around me were doing, sort of, or were trying to, or encouraging people to do more, more sort of networking.、Mm-hmm. And I think at the at that point was when I was about four years. When I had about four years of experience as a lawyer, I felt like、um, the stress was up to a point where I feel like if I'm constantly trying to compete with others around me to become more like them, I'm never going to be successful, and it's always going to be like an uphill battle. So I wanted to explore my own strength and be different. So I, I was sort of thinking one day, I just don't want to play like the normal society game where I have to be the same as everyone else and be better at them、um, in their game. I wanted to create my own game. So I thought, okay, what's my、um, advantage? I have another language skills. At that time, it wasn't 
as useful as it is now, I think. But I thought, okay, at least that's something that、um, I have to connect with another part of our society that not everyone can connect with because of the language difference. So what can I do in this space? And I was fortunate to have、um, uh, a friend that I met. She hosts a radio show. He she invited me to be a guest speaker once a month, even when I was really junior, and that was really good as well because I had to do a lot of research before I go on the show every month. I forced myself to learn,、um, and my、uh, Chinese in terms of speaking in a legal legalese language、um, became better as well.、Mm. And slowly, I found that that's something I could do for you know. For a part of the society where, because of the language barrier, they might not have similar access to justice because they couldn't access to those information, I could fill the gap. So that's what I wanted to do, which was sort of supported by the firm. And I think as a、uh, a side advantage, I made a lot of good connection and a lot of good clients as well.、Mm, wow.、Um, so in that regard, you know, I'm just reflecting back. Your journey, what you thought was a, a, a weakness, almost, and back at law school at the start of your journey, really became one of the very unique strength you have. Yes, yes. For in your legal practice, for your legal practice.、Mm, yes, definitely.、Um, and that's what I remember about what my mentor told me. Thinking back when I、um, got admitted, he told me, "You can be an Australian lawyer with Chinese speaking skills." Mm. And which is what I'm doing now.、Mm, yeah, yeah. I, and I think that really stands out. And I have another dear friend of mine. She she works in a very special, highly specialized field, and her clients are exclusively, or maybe at least ninety percent, ninety five percent, are Chinese clients. And so it's it's very interesting. She didn't intend to go out that way, but somehow it's organically developed that way.、Mm. And how do you find yourself now, like compared to before? You were saying like in your younger years, junior years, you feel you different, right? You speak language or you have a little bit accent, but now do you feel you quite strong, confident in this unique uniqueness of this full fledged Catherine? I still feel different, for sure. I still see my shortcomings, for sure. But I feel like I can work on it constantly. But I should focus more on showing the positive sides of me, like the the strength.、Um, and I think I do think that I'm more confident as well. It comes with experience. Once you try it, find a way that suits you, that makes you feel comfortable, and you receive, you know, good feedback. You keep trying, keep receiving good feedback. It's like a positive reinforcement. And then you'll find a, a, I guess, a path that's comfortable enough for you. And I think people like us will never、um, be able to to think like, oh, you know, we're perfect. No, you still see, you still you still know there are areas for improvement, but just be aware not to be. Too critical of yourself because no one is perfect.、Mm. And that reminds me how we met. Actually, I met you at one of the workshops I ran for Law Institute. Yes. <laughs> and if I may ask, um, that was the 2019. I ran a series of workshops for emotional well-being for lawyers,、mm. and um, and we then caught up and for uh. A catch up afterwards, you know. Yes. And so I'm curious, what do you have a well being practice in your life, especially noting how busy you are as a very,、um, I would imagine, a full workload、um, commercial litigator.、Mm, 
I haven't, but it's, all, it's also on the plan, uh, something that I'm planning to do this year. So I, I think I went to your class because I've always been interested in, you know, well-being and having like a good emotional health, mental health, uh, psychological health, whatever it is, because I noticed that uh, my personality is such that I don't really feel stressed. As in like, it doesn't mean that I'm not stressed. I just don't feel it. I don't feel it is stress. For example, you know, my day to day, it might be that I have to do something in a very short time and I feel excited. So sometimes it's about how you interpret the stress itself, right? So I might think, oh, I really write, I, I really, really like to race against time. It's one of the things that I do really well at and I feel like it's a challenge. But if, if it's constant, you might not feel stress but your body does feel it without you acknowledging that it's stress. And that's when I think I started having some, you know, physical um, issues, health-related issues. And the doctor was saying to me, like, you you must be going through too much stress. And I was like, no, but I'm not stressed. And then he said, your work must be stressful. And I said, not really. It's not really stressful. Then I realized that maybe I'm, I'm not... Um, receiving the stress doesn't mean it's not there which just means that I need to sort of actively um, not not to say actively observe or find stress but actively do things to make my body and brain feel relaxed mm, yeah. that's a very good point you raised because the misconception about, about stress is a lot of people when they hear the word stress it's bad mm. there's a scale of stress our human body, actually all um, species of animals, we designed our body um, biology to respond to stress. And, uh, and the point you made is very interesting. You see some stress uh, quite positive, right? Excitement. So it's it also a kind of stress, right? It becomes motivation for yes. some people. And also that comes back to a very interesting concept called uh, in the um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Events, same events, it might have been interpreted differently by people. So they have a different emotional response. So for you, if you see stress as something exciting and motivating, so you actually not to worry about it. So psychologically, emotionally, you may not feel that stressed out, right? However, yeah. another point is after prolonged period of under physical um, stress, like in time, racing against time, working long hours, the body does respond because the body needs a you know, a rest. So it is interesting. It's quite complex, the, you know, the way you mentioned, you know, sometimes we do have to remind ourselves, my body, physical body, have a little conversation. Actually, yeah, I need to take a break. Doesn't mean yeah. I'm stressed emotionally or psychologically, but the body needs to take a break. Yeah. Yes. And I think in, in some ways, it's better if you can feel the stress as well. Like, for example, <laughs> I, I definitely feel the negative stress, just not maybe not about the word itself, but maybe about, you know, relationships. Certain relationships make me feel insecure or stressed. I might be thinking a lot about something. And that is the kind of stress that I can definitely feel. Something that people might not understand that I feel. So imagine for work, it probably is the same to, to my body. It's just that I don't perceive it or, or interpret it in that way. Yeah. yeah, because I think everyone, then it comes back to what we value them. Or we have a different value or priority or certain things of course there's so many different aspects of life you know and maybe in, as you said quite rightly you know in relationships you somehow stress you more so you're more aware of it so mm -hmm. you know you need to deal with it but in work maybe that's you, your perception of that is exciting 
so mm. you don't feel it but then you still need to remind your body i need to take a break yes yes that's right yeah. so how do you find um so do now say not just leaving aside work you know as someone who is working here and living here and as a former international student and you still don't have family here is that right But, yeah yeah so how do you find as a being part of the community do you feel even as a first almost like a first generation immigrant like both you and me mm. carve out when you look back i mean sometimes i shock myself think, wow i don't have any family friends here why i came here you know but look how far you've come Mm. you're proud of yourself yeah definitely definitely um sometimes when um when i feel upset about something mm. i always imagine you know like just think about yourself 10 years ago mm. and now and 10 years later what would the three of you talk about like someone that's 10 years younger someone that is you now and someone who's 10 year older having a conversation about this thing that i'm so upset about you know like and i feel that When I was in uni, when I think about think about it that way, I always thought, you know, 10 years ago I was so brave, but um, braver than now, right? But I think right now I'm at the point where even the the me 10 years ago would have said, oh, you've done well. Like there's definitely up ups and down, but now you you you're on the right path and you've done well. Hmm. If I remembered um, for as part of the um, law institute program, did you come for the seminar about writing a letter to yourself as your own best friend? Yeah, I wrote it to the person who sat next to me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I remember it. Yes, yeah. I felt like he needed it more. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I always like when you were saying that that beautiful experiment. You know, the three of you yourself sitting together just across the ten year time. I always wondered, like, you know, what kind of conversation I would have, and sometimes in my meditation, I would actually meditate and sending positive message to the me yes. when I was younger, because I remembered how um, worried and anxious she was. So I would send that energy back to in time, you know, if there's such a thing mm. across the dimension. And sometimes I wonder because. You know, when I was younger, when I meditate, I would imagine the future self talking to me. So oh wow! Somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> it's connected. You know? Yeah, Stella, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm definitely the opposite as you. I feel like the younger me who decided or who had the courage to leave the country and start something completely new gives the me now a lot of energy. Like if you could do that when you're 18, you definitely can do it now. That's yeah. very actually. That's very true. When I left Australia for Geneva, Switzerland, where I went, and I was thirty, and somehow it was harder because when you were, and I left China when I was eighteen, and literally I was bye. I was so yeah, <laughs> family and yeah. uh, heartbroken, you know, for me to leave. But for me, it was exploring yes. a new world, right? Mm. And uh, so that's something I need to remember this year, maybe to think about the me when I was young came along, like just what you told me. If we can do it back then, you know, what can we do now, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and sometimes you need that kind of perspective as well, so that you will approach the same things differently with mm. a different energy. Mm. Now, Catherine, um, I'm curious. If I always ask my guests this question before we close. If you have one takeaway message for the listeners, or even you know for your future self or something, 
maybe let's start with you know if you have something to say to your future self because you prefer that way going to 10 years later what would you say I would say it would probably be the same as what I would say to you know your listeners out there to to live as passionately and fully as possible meaning take control of your life like be conscious in what you're doing every day um trying to try to do things that you love you know do 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 new new experience new things or build new hobbies or go out to meet new people or just be with yourself but like you know get to know yourself love yourself just to live in a deeper way deeper yeah i have to ask you this do you still sing yes i do so, yeah so you do continue that hobby of singing yeah i do i do actually perform from time to time um less so this year or oh, well definitely not since last year because of covid um yeah i do i do sing it's definitely different from what i would have done if i were in singapore not in a way that i would regret it's just a life choice to me mm. but i still i still sing yeah have to have to watch you perform sometime maybe okay books no yeah i would love to bask actually it's yeah. a, it's one of my dreams if i could just um be courageous enough to sing in front of strangers so when i perform obviously like i knew who i was performing for and people you know announce your name you go out on your stage you might have a band so people um people are anticipating your performance but i think basking just like standing on the road next to next to the road and just singing and not knowing what would happen is really scary Yeah, but think about. I'm gonna use your own words. That moment you left Brunei. <laughs> you know yeah, but but now I'm a lawyer and people know me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So as we grow older, you know, now yes. I can really appreciate what you said. But I <laughs> one day be supporting you. Um, okay. Melbourne, when you sing, do let me know. Yeah. Okay. It will happen. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and the insight with us today, Catherine. Really Thank appreciate. You. Yeah. Thanks for your invite. You all the best. Okay. Thank I'm you. Sure you too. Again. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of Legal Mind Unwired. I hope you enjoy, and if you feel resonate with this episode or our podcast, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast Peace Lab Twenty Twenty. I hope to see you next time. Thank you and take care.